Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganesi, joined as always by Nima Tavali. On today's show, we will be reviewing a thrilling match day 12 of Serie A. The big game of the weekend was, of course, the Rome derby, but it certainly wasn't the best game of the weekend. Uh, Drab nil-nil draw. But there is lots of other things to talk about. Um, the biggest news is the imminent sacking of Rudy Garcia. By the time this pod comes out, it may have become official, but he will definitely be sacked after Napoli lost humiliatingly 1-0 at home to Empoli. Stefano Pioli is also back under fire at Milan after they throw away a two-goal lead at Lecce. At the top, Inter beat Frosinone 2-0 thanks to one of the greatest lobbed goals in all of football history, I would say, by Federico Di Marco. We'll talk about that. Did he mean it? Where does it rank among the, the greatest lobbed goals ever? Uh, and Juventus win again, beating Cagliari 2-1, which sets up a mouthwater in Derby d'Italia, which will be the first game after the international break. For all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode that we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content that we do throughout the week, including a weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday where we review all the questions from our Patreons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month plus VAT. You can sign up now to become a paid subscriber on Spotify. We'll provide the link in the description. It's the same price and the same terms. And for all of you that do listen on Spotify, Apple, iTunes podcast, really appreciate it. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Uh, do the same on YouTube also on our channel. Um, it really helps us to grow and do more quality content for you guys, which includes more interviews as well. Um, we've had two. We've, we've recorded two interviews last week, one with Roberto Di Matteo, the former Chelsea uh, legend and Lazio midfielder, um, which uh, we already pushed out uh, last week. And we've done another one also we recorded with Sandy Lovrich, the Udinese and Slovenia midfielder, uh, who gave us a really, really great interview. We're pushing that out this week. So by liking and by listening and following us, uh, that really helps us to do more of this kind of content for you. So um, let's get into today's show. Right. Um, I was going to start off, Nima, with the Rome derby, but it was such a bad game <laughs> that I pushed it a little bit down the order. Um, so we have to start off with <laughs> Napoli um, because um, Napoli lose 1-0 at home to Empoli, which of course is a humiliating result. But the big story around that is that uh, Rudy Garcia is now going to be sacked. Like I said, by the time this pod comes out, he may have already been sacked. It's, it's, it's definitely going to happen. Uh, and um, Nima... Um, I mean, is is he is? I mean, De Laurentiis has no choice now, does he? No, he really doesn't. Um, he has to. He has to get rid of him. Uh, it's clearly not working. Um, it's uh, that is a game you can lose games like that. Um, if you know, and that's acceptable if you're otherwise performing at a level that is acceptable and. I look at Napoli this season under Rudy Garcia, and it's not been acceptable at all ever. Once, um, they they his rotation, he, he gets his rotations wrong. He's get he get he's not he's he, he can't apply tactics that work with his team. Uh, the, the the it doesn't seem like he's got a good relationship with a with a with the big players in the in the squad. And yeah. I mean, it's just you just got to get rid of him. He should never have been appointed in the first place. 
Um, and yeah, it, it's just, it, 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 it frustrates me because, again, uh, you know, regardless of who they bring on, and that's another thing which we're going to get to, this is, again, a mess. Like I said on Thursday and like I said since the beginning of, well, in our preview show, when I was dreading and fearing this, this is a mess entirely of Aurelio De Laurentiis' making, from how he handled the Juntoli situation to how he handled the Spalletti situation, to how he handled the replacement to Spalletti situation. This is a mess all of Aurelio De Laurentiis' making. He built Napoli from nothing, literally nothing, to becoming champions of Italy, and he did so without once-breaking financial rules. Napoli being one of the clubs that have consistently turned a profit in Europe in the last 20 years, one of the few clubs, which is truly unbelievable, but when he reached the summit, he was completely unable to take the next step next step, and try to build a winning cycle in terms of um, understanding what needs to be to stay at the top. It's, you know, once you get to the top, you have to stay at the top. And he has completely botched this situation royally. And it's all on him. He cannot blame anyone else. Um, that's, that's the overall point I want to make. But then, of course, the Rudy Garcia thing. I, I mean, if I don't understand what the point is to keep him after this, because even if he stays, what what possible credibility does he have? No, it's, it's 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 listen. He's gone. He's gone. It's everyone I've spoken to. All the newspapers. Everyone confirmed. It's, it's he's he's going to get. It's the most inevitable sacking now than as uh, Suella Braverman in in the, the Home Secretary of the UK. It's it's even more inevitable than that. Um, she got sacked this morning, isn't it? I was going to say. Oh, has she, she been sacked? Well, yeah. okay, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, the most inevitable circuit um, that, that you're ever going to get uh, after what happened at the weekend, um, in both cases. Um, so, so that was that was no, it's, it's absolutely inevitable. Garcia is going, um, and I mean, just watch this game. I mean, like you said, it's not just the fact that they lost this game against a team who was second from bottom against a team that have been so bad this season, Empoli. It's the manner of the, the defeat, the performance. It was a dreadful performance. They barely created a single chance until Kvaratskhelia had that big chance in the 88th minute, just before Empoli got the winner themselves. That's the only chance they had in the whole game. Um, they, they didn't create anything. I mean, if anything, I think Napoli probably, I mean, uh, Empoli probably deserved to win. If you watch the first half, all the chances in the first half went to Empoli. Uh, they had a few good chances, not clear, clear chances, but they had a few good chances. Cancellieri had, had a couple of good chances. I mean, you know, they, they probably deserve to be ahead at the break, uh, Empoli. I mean, look at the XG. Napoli had a 0.76 XG at home to Empoli, second bottom of the table. And, that, and most of that would have been the Kvaratskhelia chance um, at, the head, at the end. I mean, the team is a total mess. There's no cohesion. It's like the players have never played together. There's no spirit. They, 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 they clearly... That he didn't have the dressing room. I mean, every single time he subs a player, they're not happy with it. They 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 voice their displeasure to going off, and it was the same yesterday when Simeone went off, when Politano went off. He pulled a funny face as if to kind of like, "Well, oh, why are you taking me off?" You know, like there's you can tell that the, clearly the players just didn't don't didn't respect Garcia at all. Um, and then you look at the bizarre selections that he made for this Empoli game. I mean, he he dropped. I mean, when you've already got Victor Osiman out already. Right, you just cannot rest Kvaratskhelia when you. That doesn't matter who you're playing. If you've Osimhen's out, you do not rest Kvaratskhelia. But not only did he rest Kvaratskhelia, he rested Zielinski. 
he rested uh, Natan when your defence is already a mess. Uh, and Natan's probably been the, the, the biggest, uh, out of the centre-backs, probably the only one that's offered some kind of consistency there uh, at centre-back. You rest, you rest Natan um, as well. Um, he changes the system as well, goes to a 4-2-3-1, um, which completely failed and he abandoned it just after half-time. Um, and, you know, so, you know, he's making bizarre, bizarre choices. It's clearly not working. So, I mean, ultimately, it, I mean, yeah, it was is untenable after losing this game. But but the, but all you can say is that, um, you know, on De Laurentiis's part, yes, he, he obviously made a huge mistake appointing uh, Garcia. Everybody predicted this. Everybody. I don't think I saw one person that said, actually, this is a good choice. This could actually work. Like everybody from from the experts, the, the, the media, to the, 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 the average man on the street said this was going to be a disaster and it has proved to be a disaster. But what I really criticise De, De Laurentiis, because we can all make mistakes, we can all make stupid mistakes now and again, everybody does them, even one as, as big as this. But it was totally unacceptable that Garcia was not sacked on the last international break. On the last international break, he was close to being sacked, um, you know, De Laurentiis had those talks with Antonio Conte. Okay, Conte didn't want the job. But at that point, it was still salvageable. The season was still salvageable for, for Napoli. Now, the Scudetto is unsalvageable. They're 10 points behind Inter. They're eight points behind Juventus. Now, last month, you know, the, the Scud- if they could have sacked, um, sacked Garcia and brought in someone else, they had time. The points wasn't as big. They could have... You know, they could have still been in the title race. Now, I think it's 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 all over for them. It's all over for them. So, that is where I'm I'm really really critical of, of De Laurentiis. Um, but um, but yeah, uh, I mean, just look at the, his record. Look at Napoli's home record this season. I mean, that was their fourth defeat at home this season. Um, that's double the amount that they that Luciano Spalletti lost at home in the entirety of last season. They only lost two games. They've lost four already. And then, of course, they drew with Union Berlin with another dreadful performance in, in midweek. So it had to happen. Uh, the question now is, who replaces him, Nima? Well, that's that's where we get to the, to the other situation. I mean, Walter Mazzari's being named, and that to me is just utterly insane. He cannot... Walter Mazzari being named as a potential candidate. Well, the Cannavaro brothers being named. I mean, uh, Fabio Cannavaro. I mean, you know, he's not a he's not being serious, De Laurentiis. He's not treating mm. this seriously. I hope for their sake it's Igor Tudor, who I think is a is a good coach and and is and I think deserves a shot. I think he's the favorite right now. They've started yeah. talks with him. He is the favorite, but that doesn't mean he's going to get the job if De Laurentiis. No, you never know with De Laurentiis. But yeah. the thing is, this is he's playing with this situation and and he's not he's not being serious about it because Walter Mazzari in 2023 I mean I guess in a sort of a poetic literary sense it would be kind of beautiful if Mazzari came back because then the De, De Laurentiis era would end with the way it started because let's remember when he first came to uh, when he when he brought Napoli back to the Serie A what what really took Napoli from bottom mid-table to the top, top four, and they've stayed there since, is Walter Mazzari. And so that's what started all of this. Um, and of course, it would end with Mazzari because Mazzari is not relevant tactically anymore. 
in 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 2023 and and he's not had a, he's not had an important job in very in, in a long time and and it it just it would he's a cranky sob and i mean what you need someone is to get everyone fired up and pulling together walter mazzari is is like antonio conte just less tactically good i mean he, he this is you know he has the charm of of he has he's all the you know negative traits of antonio conte and none of the upsides um it, it would it, it, i mean i understand if napoli fans are happy but then you look at tactically as well you're going to play 352 with this team which is why you said you didn't want antonio conte but the difference being that antonio conte is a winner walter mazzari is is not um, so no, it's it's insane. And then the Cannavaro brothers, that's not serious. You're not being serious. You know, Fabio Cannavaro's not a coach. He's uh he's he's uh he's an in he's 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 what he's a man of leisure now. He just walks around the earth, you know, having fun, giving talks, you know, as as all these former FIFA World Cup winners do who, you know, and all these legends who aren't very good at well, much else. Uh, other than playing football, well, he's coached in he's coached in China and, and done well out there. But yeah, he's fifty yeah, years on, old. He's serious. fifty years old, and 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 yeah, it's just it's it's, it's uh, yeah, you can't be serious. It's it's, it's, it's not it's, a serious it's, option. The only one is Igor Tudor or Antonio Conte, and Antonio Conte seems to have not want to work with with uh, Aurelio De Laurentiis, which I think is a very wise decision by Antonio Conte. I don't think that would work at all. It would be brilliant if he came. Because even if they do play a three four three or three five two, Conte can make that work. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I think yeah, I, I I think Igor Tudor would be would be a good choice. But I mean, he also likes to play with a back three. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. But no, I, I think Igor Tudor is what I would do. I think as a tragetatore, I would definitely get Tudor in, finish the season season respectively. And if he does well, stay with him. And if he doesn't, then then do a serious search. And uh, do you know start a serious project next year with 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 a, with a proper coach and st- mm. and stop f- faffing about like he's been doing ever since having won the yeah, scudetto for sure. Well, we'll have more to talk. We'll have more to chat on this on Thursday when when it should be clearer who is going to be the replacement mm. to, to Garcia. But just a one word of, of praise to to Empoli and well mm. to Kovalenko because. People, were, people have kind of ignored the fact that that was actually a fantastic winner. That was a brilliant goal. I mean, what a goal from like. On the on way out on the right, uh, he hit that first time top corner. I mean, that was a fantastic. It reminded me, like, I was, I was, I saw that our good friend Patrick Kendrick tweeted it that it was very rem- similar to Bulaidia Salernitana. If you remember when mm. he scored the equalizer, when they when he ruined or postponed Napoli's uh, Scudetto party. Scudetto party. It was mm. like it's almost. It's lit. It's almost like it's from the same blade of grass. Like it literally from that same point. It's it's tr- it, it was a beautiful goal, um, and uh, no, it, it really was a beautiful goal. You can't blame the goal, glorious for for that goal. Um, but um, no, it, it was a fantastic goal. And again, Aurelio uh, Andrea Zoli, you got to give credit to him. I mean, talk about. I mean, that win is so important for them in the relegation battle. And I'm starting to think that they can actually, they might even uh, avoid the drop now. I mean, if they're going to play like that. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one to call. It's a difficult one to call. Um, But I'm sure we'll come to that. We'll come to the relegation race uh, a little bit lower down um, when we talk about the rest of the games. But yeah, well done to Empoli. It was a deserved win and it was a brilliant winner. Um, Let's go to the Rome derby. Usually we would spend a lot of time talking about the Rome derby, but there really isn't much to talk about this game. It was a nil-nil draw. It was a terrible game. Um, 
in terms of quality, there was barely any quality on show. A couple of, I think, a couple of really good moments from Luis Alberto in the first half, hitting the woodwork. Um, some nice moves from Spinazzoli in the Spinazzola in the first half, um, but really not much. Not many chances in this game. I mean, look at the XG: 0.57 Lazio, 0.39 to Roma. Uh, I thought Roma started well and I was thinking, hmm, Roma gonna gonna are really gonna, you know, are gonna take this to Lazio. And then they kind of fell away. Lazio kind of came into it, probably the better team for the rest of the first half. Um and then the second half, it was just nothing. Nothing happened in the second half. And I think uh, once we once we got to around about the hour mark, I sent a message in a in a group chat that we were in. I said, look, this is ending nil nil. Neither side's gonna wanna gonna want to lose this now. And that's basically what happened. Uh, and I think that um, this two things. First of all, I think this game probably sums up where Roma and Lazio are right now. Um, is two teams that are not really where they should be. Lazio, especially Lazio, a team that are not playing like a Sari team. They're not. You know, we're not seeing the kind of football that we we usually expect from Sari. Um, the level of the team has definitely gone down compared to last season in Lazio. And as for Roma. Um, it's a it's a team that um, yeah we kind of associate with Mourinho in recent years that they don't really have that style of play and those patterns of play and they're relying more on the kind of individual class of of a Dybala of a Lukaku which they could, those two players couldn't really provide it in this game. No, they couldn't. Um, I thought it was a very cagey affair. It was obvious both coaches were more focused on not conceding and losing and relying on individual brilliance than creating anything. I think stability, safety was key here. Um, and I think Lazio in the first half, especially, I had that. I had some notes written down and is I was really impressed by how stable they were defensively. Um, I think they neutralized Dybala and Roma completely in the first half or throughout the game, but especially in the first half, I thought they were really, really good. And they were able to find some spaces through the sheer individual genius of Luis Alberto. Um, but um, I, I think overall, it just felt like one of those games that was never going to get unlocked unless somebody made something stupid or a moment of pure inspiration. Um, it was it was a very, very cagey affair. They did not want to lose either one. They The focus was to not concede and to capitalize on the on the mistakes of the other one um, of the other team um, overall, so there wasn't really much much more to say about this. But uh, other than to say that the Rome derby, the fans and the spettacolo that they created before the game, the the, the choreographies, the tifos, the singing, the atmosphere, it was beautiful. I mean, it's so nice to see the Rome derby packed to the rafters again, again, and and just see them, these fans just sing their hearts out. And it was truly a fantastic atmosphere. Um, so so that, that, that to me was just both sets of fans really delivered. Um, beautiful TIFOs too. Mm. And beautiful choreographies too. So, no, yeah. it, was, it was it was really good. Um, there wasn't much to talk about the actual p- p- stuff on the pitch, but off the pitch, obviously with the fans, like you said, and also you know the, the two managers before the game was great. Um, but that was yeah, that was that was as good as it got. I mean, in terms yeah. of collective, it wasn't good. In terms of individual, I think it was a game where the defenses were on top. The defenders played well. Uh, I guess which is a guess is a positive for Lazio because they have really struggled with the defense this season. I thought Romagnoli was pretty good. I thought Undica um, was really good for Roma. 
Uh, he seems to be developing a bit now. Llorente has been really good, actually, yeah, uh, yes. this season. Yeah, uh, he's been really good. Uh, and also, I have to give credit to Rui Patricio because I mean he's, he's been save, awful <laughs> the last yeah. year and a half. Um, but I mean that was a brilliant save on on Romagnoli. Uh, I thought Roma wing backs were good early on. Yeah. Spinazzola, I thought, showed a good spark, which was which is nice to see. Uh, and I thought Guendouzi was was pretty good for Lazio. Lots lots of yeah, energy. I mean, it, it was a game where if you if you are a dynamic player who moves whose movements break the lines, you will shine in a game like this that's so closed off. And I think both Spinazzola and Guendouzi were are players who who are dynamic players, and and so they kind of stick out, um, or you know when 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 things are so locked. But but I'm really surprised by two things. Number one. Or, or I'm really surprised by one thing from Roma, and that is how little they tried to play the ball to and to, to Romelu Lukaku for him to hold it up. Because the few times they did that towards the end of the second mm. half, they just couldn't get near him. And that's what you need to do. You have to play the ball to Lukaku, to his body, to his feet, with his back against the goal, so he can hold up. He can he can really hurt you there. And Roma, mm. for some reason, did not do that at all. Um, were unable to for 70, 80 minutes. Which I thought yeah. was really. There was one moment really at the strange. end where he bullied a few players and he laid it off. I think it was exactly. to, Bar- to Barbe, and Barbe then just couldn't get his pass yeah. to someone else, and that would yeah. have been a gu- would have been the winner. Yeah, um, well, that's yeah. what I mean. I'm surprised mm. they didn't do that again. Like they didn't do that more often. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, look, I think that ultimately, and maybe this played its role in neither team really going for it in the second half. Like, it's not a disaster. This point. As as we thought it maybe would be would have been when we were going into the game because N- Milan drew, Napoli lost, uh, Atalanta, well Atalanta should have lost as well, but they drew. Um, you know, so actually they're still both teams. Create this is crazy. How this can possibly be the case? Um, especially as Lazio, if they'd have lost this game, it would have been the worst start to the to a season since the three point era. Um, they, they, Lazio are still only four points off the top four. Don't ask me how that is possible. And Roma are only three points off the top four. Um, so you know this isn't actually a bad result in the end. In terms of if we're looking at it, you know, from a pragmatic point of view, in terms of points. Um, so yeah, both teams probably won't be that distraught at this at this result. But ultimately, both teams have to improve. This playing like this, showing this level of quality, isn't going to be enough if either of them are going to have any hope of of getting in the top four and having having good seasons, they're going to have to improve a lot. Um, but the only other point I wanted to make on this game, um, again, it's been a maybe a week since we criticised the Serie A marketing, um, but, I mean, who makes the decision to put this game on at the same time that Chelsea are playing Man City? I mean, not only is that, I mean, that is just ridiculous marketing from, from Serie A, but then... You know, Chelsea, Man City, then draw four all. <laughs> so, you know, this game, you know, for both for both two points of view, one stupid market, and two, you know, it's, this wasn't a good advert for, for Italian football. You know, when you want when you want to see a bit like the Milan versus Juventus get Juventus game. You know, people watching this game are not are not going to be wanting to watch Italian football. And when you then see that at the same time Chelsea are playing Man City and drawing four all, uh, you know, so uh, again. You know that that whoever chooses the market, whoever's deciding the marketing, have just got to be smarter. They just have to be smarter. Don't put it on at the same time when when there's a massive game in the in the in the Premier League, which is the most watched league in the world. You've got to try and give this game the space it deserves, and that's that's that was the only other point I wanted to make on this game. 
Yeah, no, okay. I, I don't have much more to add to that other than the the, the last point is is there was a situation where I thought Chiro Immobile was good, but there was a situation in the second half where I, th- I think it's Luis Alberto plays him through. And Chiro Immobile two seasons ago would have run with that and scored it, but he just doesn't have it in his legs anymore. Um, and I thought that was very indicative of the thing I've been saying, that it's time for Lazio to start thinking about life after Chiro. Um, and this has to surely be the last season with him at Lazio as a starter. I mean, if he can if he can accept being as a backup player, then fine. But as a starter, they, they, they have to move on um, because he... You know, he just doesn't have that. He just doesn't have it anymore, and and that happens to all players. I mean, I remember towards the end, watching Totti limp around. It wasn't. It wasn't nice. Um, <clears throat> and and the same could be said to a certain extent about Slatan and his knee. You know, you know, at some point it happens to everyone. So, mm. that that. But 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 again, Luis Alberto. Is just he's been Lazio's one ray of light this season. I mean, he, he's just, actually been ridiculous. He's been incredible this season. I mean, um, the level that this guy plays at, the the intelligence, the the sheer quality, the genius, the the vision, the passing, the technical numbers, he is unbelievable. Like what a player he is. He, like you said, the only ray of light Lazio have. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This season, definitely. Um, right, let's move on to Frosinone versus Inter. Um, and there's only one place to start. is <laughs> the Federico Di Marco wonder goal. I mean, I've been watching Italian football all my life. Uh, yeah, and there's been some amazing goals, amazing lobbed goals. And we'll, we'll come on to um, where that ranks in, in, in a bit. But... Let's let's get with the. I mean, first of all, let me just let me describe the goal first for those of you who I mean, I'm sure you've all seen it. But uh, Di Marco picks up the ball just inside the the Frosinone half, way out on the left by the left touchline, and he lobs the goalkeeper Turati um, uh, over him. And Turati's not even that far off his line. Um, I mean, it's just an absolutely insane goal. Um, but first of all, because there's been some debate, uh, including from from our good friend Patrick Kendrick, <laughs> uh, um, who um, people asking the question. First of all, did he mean it, Nima? What do you think? I think it was very funny because after the game, he was asked about it, and he says, "Look, I first look up and see the Dumfries, and or first I look up and see that the goalkeeper's out, and then I see Dumfries, and then I decide I'm going to go for it." Uh, afterwards, Mikitarian says, "No, no, of course he didn't mean it. We all know that he meant to cross it for, for Dumfries." So, so there's a little bit of in banter inside Inter as well about that. But um, I think he meant it. I, I mean, I, I think Ronaldinho meant it too back when he did it. Mm. Um, um, and I, and and the thing and the reason why you know I think when you there's a video that you can see with that you can see that. He actually does look up at the goalkeeper and then looks down and then looks over to see where Dumfries is before he hits it. And to me, I think, yes, he's going for it, but I don't think he intended for the ball to have the, the, the trajectory it did because this looks like this, is, this isn't a chip. This is a shot, if you know what I mean. Like this is a, it's not like he's chipping it. 
he he shoots it and i, I think he didn't I, I think he meant to chip it more than 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 what it became but i do think yes look this isn't this is federico di marco we're talking about this isn't the first time he scores wonder goals and rockets with his left foot whether they be free kicks whether they be crosses whether they be mm. you know whatever it is this this is this happens often with him and therefore you you know you, you have to understand and give credit where credit is yeah due. i mean uh, yeah let me come on to whether i think this was a cherby or I would say, yeah, no, there's no <laughs> chance in hell he meant that. Well, if it was when it Darlian, happened, I would say there's no way in hell he meant that. Mm. But if it's Di Marco and you've seen him do that time and t- stuff like that time and time again, well, yeah. well, let, let me. When I put, when I saw it first uh, live, I was hundred percent sure he definitely meant it. Uh, also because of the way that he he kicked it, like you don't you don't yeah. kick the ball like that with you know in a and it, and it was kind of went in a straight line yeah um, that's what i mean that's so what I mean. It's a you don't boom. you don't you know there wasn't uh you know it wasn't a cur- you know i th- i think it, i thought i was certain he meant it at the time then of course you know i'm i'm winding up patrick kendrick on whatsapp yeah, about, about the goal too. so he sends me a video trying yeah, to prove that, that he that he didn't well not necessarily trying to prove he didn't mean it but like at least raising the question did he mean it now in the video um, the ball gets passed by Mkhitaryan to to Di Marco. Um, now, in the video that I've got, I don't see Di Marco looking. Up. I didn't he see him look looking up. at the goalkeeper because I can't because I can't. Well, see he looks up quickly. You can say mm-hmm. but when he gets the ball, he looks up quickly. Then he looks down because he sent me the same video. And then he goes up, and then he looks, and then he goes for like a second, and then he looks over to Dumfries, and then he shoots it. Um, so it's. I don't. I listen. The, the, the video doesn't prove that he didn't mean it uh, in terms of where he's looking, because there's a thing called peripheral vision, with exactly. all, which all the great footballers have, uh, mm. and all footballers, well, all humans have, but the great, the great, the great, the great, the great. I hope you've got that too. No, but the great players are able to use their peripheral vision. Yes, some yes, some people don't have the awareness yeah, to be able yeah, to use their peripheral vision. I mean, you know, some players have have peripheral peripheral vision. You know, you would say eyes in the back of the head. That means you have the awareness of just feeling who is around you, you know, when you're on the football pitch. And that's why the great players can do, like Totti would be able to do back heels. And you think, how did they see that player behind him? Well, they just yeah. felt it with their, you know, they just felt it because they've got the, the peripheral vision and the ability to feel who is who is around and behind yeah. them. Um, so that doesn't mean anything because he would have had that in his peripheral vision. He would have been able to see that the goalkeeper was off his line. The only thing that raises the question, maybe that he didn't mean it, is if you look at when he kicks the ball, he's, he's slightly off balance when yeah. he kicks it and his left leg kind of extends in a way that you wouldn't expect it to uh, to extend by how he was gearing up to kick the ball, if that makes sense. So that's the only thing that you would maybe raise a question, but, but ultimately, in order to score the goal, you have to kick it like that. So... Um, you know, it's it's one of those which we'll never know one hundred percent. Only Demarco will, will know one hundred percent whether he meant it. But I I'm veering towards that he did mean it because I know that this is what he's capable of. Yeah. Uh, no, I think he did mean it. I just don't think he meant the trajectory. I don't think that. I don't think that Ronaldinho meant it though. No, I, I don't think, think Ronaldinho meant it. And I tell you what, because Ronaldinho, when Ronaldinho did it, there's loads of players in the box, so there's a reason to put the ball into that area. Yeah. Whereas with Demarco, um, I mean. He would have. I mean, that would have to be for Demarco to 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 not mean to score that goal. That would have to be one of the worst overhit balls ever. And Demarco doesn't do overhit crosses that that badly very often. Uh, and yeah. I mean, Taram is miles away. 
from it. And he would also, in order to, to, to pass it to Turam, he'd have had to curl it to Turam. He wouldn't have done a flat shot, a flat mm. kick, which is what he did. So he would have, this would have had to have been a massive miss kick because he's not curled this ball. He's hit it like with his instep, yeah. you know, and he's hit it straight. To get the ball to Turam, he would have had to curl that. He'd have to whip that round to get it to Turam. So that's what also what makes me think that he did mean it because you have to kick it this way straight to, for it to go in. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think, listen, I think it's an amazing, it's no, an it's amazing an goal. goal. And let me just say one other thing, Nima. Who was it? Remind me. Who was it that compared the DeMarco yeah, to, no, to David you, Beckham? You, you, um, you did. No, you said, you, you did say, and I, and I remember I was saying, I think that's a good comparison because yeah. they are similar styles of players. They, they weren't very quick. They couldn't beat their men for pace. They weren't fantastic dribblers, but they had an unbelievable touch. His right foot is one of the greatest right feet ever in football. And this guy's left foot is ridiculous. Yeah, he, he he can do whatever he wants with with. He with, can put it wherever he wants. Wherever well. he wants. I yeah. mean, the crosses, the 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 shots, the the free kicks, everything. I mean, they you know they they both have that you know from the left and from the right, and and I think that I think that was a very that was a very astute comparison in terms of the style of player that they are. Just just um, in terms of, but just of how course they you have to remember, of course, that David Beckham was you know he, he, he we can't compare their careers yet because Beckham had a far more illustrious career and did bigger things at a bigger stage than, than Di Marco has had. Uh, but yeah, I think in terms of the style of player they are, they are similar. Just in, yes. time, just in terms of the foot, that's, that's more than anything because what I'm, I'm comparing it, mm. like he is a left, he's got a left foot like Beckham had a right foot. That's, yeah. the, that's where, really where the mm. comparison is. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like unbelievable what he can do with this with this left foot um, no, really but, but one thing i want to do though is like where does this where does this lob rank among the greatest lobs in not only italian football history but in in football history because i really do believe that this is this is up there with the best of all time um, mm. and i and i and i had a little and i spoke to a few people as well and i put it on twitter as well asking for people and i got sent in some really good really good uh, suggestions from from everyone uh, and those of you listening, you know, I'd love to hear any other suggestions that you've got. Um, but obviously, like, we start off with Beckham, because we are just talking about the Beckham lob against against Wimbledon in 1996, which was which was fantastic from the halfway line. Um, the, I mean, from Italian football, though, I mean, the Ricoba one against Empoli um, was, was amazing. Um, obviously, Stankovic, a lot of Inter players doing lobs. Yeah. Stankovic against Schalke. Uh, which was a great volley. Volley. Uh, a volley. That was unbelievable. And he meant that. Oh, yes, There's no yeah. discussion there. Yeah. And he did that. Like, he, he scored quite a few screamers as well. Mm. Yeah. So. And then you've got um, Mikoli against Palermo that I remember. Mm. Quagliarella uh, definitely did, had one as well mm. uh, around 15 years ago. I've got to yeah. forget in the team. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Maradona. Maradona had a couple well, of that. Recall by against Empoli for me is the one that sticks out. It's just unbelievable. yeah. Maradona had a couple of amazing ones. One yeah, against see, the- that's not. But this is the thing. I that's a cucchiaio. That's that's a chip lob. Like for me, you can't compare like Totti's against Inter at the. Yeah, no, I don't. I'm not counting Totti. That is a chip. I mean, I think yeah. it depends how far out it is. It yeah. depends. How Hadji far in the '94 USA '94. That is more comparative to the Di Marco one. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Poborski, you, I mean, in, in Euro 96, that's a chip. Do you know what I mean? Like the way that he lobs it over. So, so I think for me, the, the ones that I compare to is, is the Beckham one, the Hadji one, the Ronaldinho one. The Ronaldinho Stankovic one against one. England. Yeah, the Ronaldinho one against England in, in 2002 World Cup. Um, 
I think, which I think was a fluke personally. But yeah, we we, we can't prove it hundred percent. Um, the, the, Patrick the, the, Schick as two, well. Yeah, Schick against Scotland um, was was a fantastic one. The two that really stand out for me. There's only two that I would that I would say uh, are on the same level as as Demarco's, and that is Naim. For Zaragoza mm. against Arsenal yeah, in the, 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 the cup, Winners' Cup, cup final in 1995. Yeah. And this was the last minute of extra time yeah. with a score at 1 1 to win yeah. the Cup Winners' Cup, which I was a big that. cup, which was a big European Cup at the time, uh, to beat Arsenal. So this was like, if you're talking about the most important and most, you know, decisive lob ever, then it's Naeem. I mean, I think for the, the difficulty level, and I'll come on to DeMarco's difficulty level in a second. I think it's got to be Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Versus yeah, but that to me is something else. That's that stands on its own because that's not a lob. That who does a bicycle kick thirty five yards? Well, it is. It's a bicycle kick. Lob. <laughs> it's a bicycle kick lob, which is what it's makes just... it. I mean, for me, that's that's. I mean, I think that I, having sat back and thought about it, I think that's the greatest of all time because the difficulty is, level is is unbelievable. It's, not, it's a bicycle no. kick lob from a ridiculous angle. Um, I mean, it's just 34, it's just, 30, 35 meters out. I mean, yeah. it's just unbelievable. It's insane. Yes. But what, what makes DiMarco so special is that is the difficulty level. I mean, it's much easier to score a lob from number one, from a central position, and number two, from a static position, which mm. a lot of these lobs are, uh, you know, from more central positions. Even the, the, the Beckham one was slightly to the right, but it was from a central position and it's from a static position. It's much, much easier, much easier to connect especially if you've got control of the ball. When you're on the run, it's so much more difficult, just see from the balance point of view and the connection point of view. And you've seen how you're kind of half lost balance anyway. Uh, but also, his is way out on the touchline. I mean, it's a ridiculous angle. I mean, it's like in rugby terms, it's like trying to do a conversion from the centre or trying mm. to do a conversion from the touchline. Well, you try and do a conversion from the touchline, the difficulty level is, is infinitely harder, which is why not so many get them. From the touchline <laughs> so you know it's just the difficulty level here is other than other than uh, Zlatan's because of the acrobatic nature I mean this is from a difficulty level this is this is the, I the think hardest the greatest, ever yeah but I mean for me the greatest chip lob ever Maradona against Verona and Lazio like that is that is truly unbelievable like the, go back and watch that from where he does it, how he does it, the situation. I mean, one man wrecking crew, that guy. Mm. Oh, yeah, that was uh, amazing. But the other thing to consider is also how far the goalkeeper's off his line. The goalkeeper mm. was quite far off his line, which makes it a lot easier. Mm. But but for, for, for DiMarco's goal, I mean, the goalkeeper's barely off his line. He's only, mm. like, only what, only six-yard box? I mean, that's the mm. other thing that makes it really, really difficult and also makes it ridiculous to even try it when the goalkeeper is, is, is you know, really not very far mm. off his line. Um, so there's that, and that's what all adds up to make me think that you know this is definitely this is top three of all time. Unless somebody can prove that he didn't mean it, and I, I wouldn't count. I mean, Florenzi's there's also Florenzi's against Barcelona, yeah, which, Barcelona which, which I think was a fluke, which I don't think he meant either. Um, mm. So when you know if you can prove they don't mean it, then I would discount them altogether. But obviously, that's very difficult to do. Um, no, so I, I think here, uh, like I say, I think he meant it, but I don't think he meant the trajectory of the ball to go like that. I think he meant more. He went. He wanted it more to be a lob. This was a shot. More. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like to me, this wasn't a lob. This was more. He. It beca- I think he miskicked it in the sense that I think he wanted to lob it, but it became a shot instead. And it was a, it was, it just went like a rocket. That's the thing. I mean, it was, it was just truly unbelievable. I think it was more similar to Naeem in that situation 
uh, in the sense that he didn't lob it. He, he just he went for it. It was a rocket shot. And then it just went like a missile and, and had that trajectory. Um, and, and yeah, no, I, it was it was truly unbelievable. Um, it was amazing. It was the, the only other one I want to mention um, uh, is Pele uh, against Czechoslovakia, but he didn't mm. go in. He, that is, this is the greatest lob that never that didn't go in the goal. And the, for two uh, two reasons. Number one, the footballs that they used back in the 1970 yeah, World mean, Cup were like bags of cement. I mean, like they were so hard. Like even the idea, like of of. I mean, you, you used break to get, your foot. Yeah, you used to get so. I mean, literally used to break. I mean, that's why so many players that used to head the ball a lot back in the sixties and seventies, yeah. you know, got brain injuries. I mean, died of you know, got Alzheimer's and and yeah. and you know these kind of Parkinson, uh, Parkinson's, yeah. you know, because because you know they headed the ball so much. Now and back they, then, they were horrible. Back then, things. only a few people in world football could score long shots because the balls were so hard. Like you couldn't, people couldn't kick the ball hard and high from, from long range because the balls were so hard. You know, yeah. Pele did try to lob the goal from the half goal with the keeper from half one and he went inches wide. Um, and all this was at a time when no one would even dream of thinking of doing it. And that's how far ahead Pele was yeah. of the rest of the world. So, you know, I have to give a shout out for that. I mean, but it didn't go in. So it, it doesn't count, but it was, ama- yeah. it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Um, let, let's just, just, just quickly on, on Inter's overall performance. Um, I enjoyed this game. I thought Frosinone had a go. Um, I thought they did really well uh, until obviously DiMarco uh, unlocked a uh, you know a game which was which was quite even really until that stage. Um, I thought I thought Frosinone did really well. Um, they, they played some good football. I thought Badenechea was fantastic in centre mm. midfield. Really, which is another good sign. Was people talking about Sule? It's a really good sign for Juventus because he was really good in possession. He kept the ball well, a bit of a metronome, good short game. Uh, I thought Frosinone were good, but eventually I, I think, yeah, after DiMarco's goal, Inter's quality, extra quality told. And also, you know, we know what Frosinone are like. We know what Di Francesco's like. There were the gaps to exploit for Inter and they exploited them eventually and, and probably should have scored more, really. But mm. it was, it's a good win for Inter. They, no, they, it was a good win. Inter, look, in this, I thought Inter were. This was a. They weren't, especially in the first half before that goal. I didn't. What I didn't like was how Inter were a little bit almost arrogant. They weren't concentrated. They weren't concrete in what they were doing. Their passing was a little bit. They, 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 they it didn't seem like they were switched on mentally, the way that you need to be, because uh, because Frosinone were good. Um, but in in the what I did like was look Hakan Chalanoglu is just <laughs> what he's become at Inter. Um, these diagonal balls from deep that just breaks open teams with one pass, with one long pass, and he keeps doing them time and time and time again. He's becoming what is he? He is world class now, in my opinion. I think he's the best midfielder in the Serie A, and I don't think it's even close. And I think he's actually playing at a very well at a world class level consistently now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's even close right now. He's so so good. Um, the way that he reads the game, the way that he builds, even when he has a game where he's not 100% at his best, he's still world-class, like against Frosinone. And okay, okay, Frosinone aren't exactly the best team in the world, but they're no mugs either. So, no, I'm, I'm, I was just completely blown away by the quality that, that Celanoglu has. Um, and, and, of course, Marcus Teram. Uh, Inter have a dribbler. For the first time, and an attacking and a number nine that can dribble. I can't remember the last time that was. He he goes past his man every time. Um, just can't stop him. And 
you well, you can, but then you're going to give away a penalty. Mm. So no, he's he's just he's the only aspect that he really needs to work on is the goal scoring part because that's where he truly lacks. I mean, he's 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 not poor, but he's he's mediocre there. Uh, he misses too many sitters. He doesn't score enough at all. And for a team like Inter, who creates and swarms teams uh, in the penalty area, you you have to uh, you have to improve your 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 goal scoring out, out output. It's it's just as simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I, I what I liked was Inter were you know after that goal, everything you know they got really fired up, and and so they really started playing to the best of their abilities. And I thought. They really took the game to Frosinone, Frosinone, who really took the game back to them. I was really impressed by Frosinone. Um, but again, you have to, you know eight clean sheets because, yes, Inter's defense is good, but they also have a fantastic goalkeeper in Jan Sommer, who I think has been, not just because of the clean sheets, but I think he's been the best goalkeeper in, in the Serie A this season. And, and, and we did it once again. He showed it once again. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to Juventus, um, who... who Clean sheet record comes to an end. Um, mm-hmm. So, so Sommer goes back above Chesney uh, uh, and now, but um, but they got the job done. They got another win, fifth win in a row. Um, not a vintage performance from from Juventus. It it, it was a, a poor, for, very poor first half, terrible first half. But um, they were better in the second half, and they did deserve to win. I, I think some people are ex- exaggerating. Um, if you actually look at the xG in this game. They had a 2.65 xG to 0.65. So in terms of chances created, that shows that Juventus definitely deserved to win this game. Um, there's a lot of things that need to improve, for sure. The passing, uh, especially in the opposition uh, half, I saw a stat somewhere, 60-something percent, low 60s. It was 63 or 64% pass accuracy in the, in the Cagliari uh, half uh, in, in, this, in this game. Uh, and and less possession than Cagliari. I mean, these are all things that definitely need to improve if if Juventus are ultimately going to challenge in. So, who are their next game? Of course, and this win yeah. definitely um, definitely uh, tees that game up nicely, doesn't it? Because there's only two yeah. points two now points between them. between the two teams. So Match that's going to be thirteen, the first game after the break, and yeah. and that is Inter's hell week because in, that's the beginning of Inter's hell week. They play Juve away, Benfica away, Napoli away, all in seven days. Um, so in, you know you gotta you gotta get the rotation right, but no, it's it's going to be that's going to be quite the game. I mean, I can't remember the last time Inter and Juve were. It's too soon to say that they're locked in for a title race, but it's an early top of the league showdown, uh, early season, early part of the season top of the league sorry, showdown, and I can't remember the last time Inter and Juve were in that position. Um, it's been a decade at least when where they were both in a, within two points at the top of the table after match day ten. So it's um, no look, it's it's becoming like the the Serie A. It's returning to the Serie A that we all grew up with, with Juve, Inter, and Milan at the top. Um, but it's uh, but to get back to this game, I thought Juve just did did what they needed to do without much fuss. It wasn't you know it's not beautiful, but they just got the job done. Um, Bremer has been outstanding um, these last couple of games. And I think he's come into his own now. Um, and, and he's becoming the pillar of that defence. And I think he's going, he's, he's, he's starting to, to show what a fantastic player he is and how important he is um, and can be. Um, not just for the goal, but also defensively. He is a monster. I'm going to be. It's going to be really interesting to see how he goes up against Marcus Turam. 
um, that battle is going to be very, very interesting to follow. Yeah, no, it's, it certainly is. It's going to be very, very... Yeah, Bremer has been fantastic. There was one one incident in this game where Locatelli got outpaced by Shurunodov mm-hmm. and and Bremer was about 10 yards behind both of them and he just yeah. ate up, ate yeah. up the grass, as they say, uh, and, and, uh, and 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 cleared it out. Um, yeah, he was, he was very, very impressive. And this game also serves as a reminder of how dangerous Juventus are on on set um, on set pieces. Two more goals from from set pieces. Bremer, like you said, brilliant header. He made that header look easy as well. It wasn't easy. It wasn't mm. easy at all. It was that was that wasn't a that wasn't an easy header, and he made it look easy. And then Regali with a hilarious goal, chested it onto the bar, <laughs> come back off the bar and chested it in. Have you ever, has there ever been a goal like that ever? Have you ever seen someone chest it onto not the bar? Not at this high level. In? Yeah, not at this level. No, I've seen it in lower <laughs> leagues. Yes, um, I have seen it in lower leagues. I think. Um, Peter Hansson, the Swedish international, scored one of the most against Greece in the Euros after Slatan scored a screamer. He scored the most scruffy, ugly goal where he heads it onto the bar or post and then the ball trips on his knee and hits his face. And he just, it's just the whole thing is just ridiculous mm. uh, in the Euros. That, but it's about, that, that's the level we're talking like, not a very good. Not, not exactly a legend of the game. Um, yeah, yeah, he scored. Yeah. Scoring Russian. with funny body parts. I once scored with my penis, if I can say. If I could say, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. In a, in a game, ball got played across the box. I was running in at the far post, and it just, you know, yeah, just stretched out. <laughs> stretched of out. Of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> but that was it. Was yeah, no, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. Um, they did concede off a set piece though, as well. Yeah. They did concede off a set piece from that. Dosena is a beast in the air. By he's a, I was going to say he's an absolute handful, isn't he? In the yeah. air, because he nearly scored. A, he nearly equalized. He as well, with the, the header as well. Off the post, yeah, yeah. Now he he's dangerous in the air. Like you mm. know, it's it's he he's he's big, but but also the way that he kind of stays there, he's he's powerful as well, and he can he can get this like swinging headers, and he can get powerful headers. No, mm. he's quite the risk. He's quite no, no, I mean, he out-jumped Bremer, which is, I mean, not <laughs> easy. Know, says it all, doesn't it? I mean, all the goals yeah. scored by centre-backs, offset yeah. pieces. I mean, it sounds like a Allegri dream. Allegri Ranieri dream. Allegri versus Ranieri. Can it be more Allegri versus Ranieri than that? Three centre-backs scoring all the goals. Yeah. If there's one thing that, that Juventus should be a little bit concerned about on this game, I think uh, not. I mean, going forward to the Inter game, but also just going forward is their attack are not scoring uh, enough mm. at the moment. Um, Kies and Vlaovic started the season really well, but if I'm not mistaken, they've not scored since match day five. Yeah, uh, and then Milik I think has two goals this season. Yeah. Obviously, mainly a bench player, uh, and Moisa Keane, who I thought again was very his all round game. With the exception of one really bad touch when in the first half, and Kiesa put in what he would have been clean through and did a terrible touch. Apart from that, again, I thought his all-round game was really good. I mean, he set up chances for Cambiasso, for McKenney. I thought his hold-up and his bringing others to play was really, really good. But he hasn't scored this season. So you add that all together, and Juventus's attack is not... is. I mean, you know, they're not going to be able to keep... If their attack doesn't start scoring again, they're not going to be able to keep this up. They can't keep relying on defenders scoring scoring offset pieces or midfielders chipping in with, you know, like a Locatelli scored one and Moretti scored one in one goal wins. You know, that isn't, you know, they're not going to be able to continue that. So that's the, that's the one thing that Juventus need to, 
they need to start improving on. Um, but but yeah, sets up a, a fascinating derby d'Italia. Two points behind them uh, after the internationals. Just, it's going to be great. Just on that Chiesa point, I thought he was good in the play, but his finishing is not quite there. And and but but I but I am seeing movement towards him becoming Chiesa again, which I think is good for both Italy and Juve. Um, but Vlaovic, he's 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 going to be sold, isn't he? I mean, if anyone wants to buy him. I mean, at this point, I'm thinking, should Juve even consider loaning him out at the end of the season if he continues like this? Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's not looking. No, it's not looking good. And I, and I mean, we'll, dis- we'll, we'll discuss this in a preview. We'll do a really good preview on this on the Inter Juve mm. game next week. But uh, definitely, there's a question to ask. I mean, Vlaovic has he lost his first team place? I, mean, I guess I he has. So. I mean, does he start against Inter? Do you start him? Would you start him? against Inter. I mean, I'm not sure I would. I mean, I think Keane offers more guarantees. He, he brings others into play much better. Okay, he's not yeah. scoring. Um, but you think that's the goals will eventually come, I yeah, think, if will. he carries on playing it's like this. Um, so, so yeah, that, no, it's, it's definitely a debate. What is Juventus' first first choice? Um, what should be their first choice front two now at the mm. moment? Should, is Keane now a first-team player? I, I think he, I think he is at the moment. Um, okay, mm. let's let's move on to Milan, uh, where there's also lots of question marks in mm-hmm. in the attack um, because Giroud's going to be suspended, Rafael is going to be injured, uh, and that's made all the worse when you consider that they dropped more points. Um, they throw away a two goal lead, two uh, 0 up, draw two two. Couldn't could have lost it. Disallowed goal by VAR right at the end as well for Lecce. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? That you know we were talking about this three or four days earlier about Pioli. Being the Cheshire cat, all these, you know, onto his <laughs> the, here's life. the thing though. Here's the thing though with that. It's it's starting to show, I think, that Milan are even though they have the depth that they they didn't have last season, they do have that now, they brought in that depth to win these games, to win the Lecce mm. away, the Cagliari away. And they're going 2-0 up and they and they and they still have these collapses, because that's what that is. That's a collapse. Milan collapsed in the second half. And this has happened throughout the Pioli era where they've had these collapses mid-games. But he's always managed to afterwards kind of turn the turn the tide a little bit. And, I, and, and you know, I, I, I think after everything he's done, he, he deserves us giving him the benefit of the doubt that he can turn it around. But I do find it problematic that Milan under... that Pioli's Milan have mental collapses in games where they... Can we're leading by two goals is by no means any safety, but they can be they can lose three two easily. Like when 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 you go two nil up, a big team, you should be able to close that off. You shouldn't collapse completely. Mm. Um, and and far too often this happens with Pioli's Milan, and I think that's that's a cause for concern. Um, and also some of the tactical decisions he's been making recently are just just head scratching. Well, what 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 I thought was head scratching. Well, what I thought was 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 wrong in this game. I'm not saying you should go full Allegri and be like you know ten men in your box no, as soon as you go a goal up. Sure, but, but you Come can on. be yeah, you can be a little bit conservative when you're in the lead. Uh, and you know, at two 0 well, let's say at two one because the goal came off a corner. And again, bad defending off the corner, like a carbon copy of the goal they conceded against PSG. Flick mm. on and then back post, head it in unmarked. I mean, so they didn't learn, didn't learn their lessons, which is always not good on the manager. We don't learn your lessons from a bad goal you conceded. You conceded at the very next game. But that aside, you're 2-1 up. Why? I mean, for, obviously, Musa is a, to blame for the second goal. He loses the ball, of course. That's on him as well. But it's also on Pioli in the sense that why are there so many men in advance of the ball? Now, that's something that Allegri 
you would never get. You would never get. Allegri would always be, you know, uh, don't don't only put X men ahead of the ball if we're in the lead and we're, we're defending the lead. You know, he just won't take that risk because then if you lose the ball, like Musa did, you're then in trouble. I mean, and, and I mean, Banda is completely unmarked. There's also a debate over the tech. Was Teo fouled? Because if he was fouled, I mean, it's Banda that has, is free at the back also because Teo Hernandez is, is out of the game on the ground. So I understand those that, you know, I haven't seen the incident close up, but but regardless of that, you're too many men forward, too many men ahead of the ball. And that's on Pioli. Pioli's, Pioli's got to have his team and say, you know what, We're, we've just got to be a little bit more conservative here. No, I, I agree with that. And also his his tactical choices in Yunus Musa as a right back in this game is just, hey? mm. and, and and you know, why? <laughs> there was no need to that. I'm pretty sure they had Florent. I mean, he brought on Florenzi. Did I mean why not play him where he's supposed to be playing? And it, it's just it was lots of weird stuff like that. Um, and and which I didn't understand why he was doing that. You know, uh, and 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 again, I you know this is what I meant when I said against PSG. Look, when you know that you have injury problems and you're you're playing your players like Leao who are explosive players, Pulisic, who are, who are, who rely on, who, who never stops running that, that puts, you know, they, they put a, those are players whose playing style puts a lot of pressure on their muscles. Right. So you need to be careful when coaching these guys. So for 82 minutes, no changes. When Milan were exhausted against PSG, Pulisic gets injured. Leao gets cramps, which suggests to me that he is over. Um, he's, he's overloading his body. And then, you know, this for me was just completely going to happen that Eliao was going to injure himself. I thought it was stupid. I mean, this is exactly why you brought Chukweza and Okafor and all these players. This is why you decided to buy these players to 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 rotate. And, and, and this is what I mean when I say Italian coaches. This is not just Pioli who does this. They all do it. And it drives me insane. Spalletti did it, does it. Mancini did, does it. Uh, Conte does it. Simone Inzaghi started to not do it. But he usually <laughs> took him two years to understand that he's got 22, 23 players and he needs to rotate them when he's playing every three days. Right? That's how Inter got to the Champions League final. And because he got paid for that, and you know, in terms of being rewarded for that, now he's doing that, right? So... This is an Italian thing. They they don't they 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 see they're so stubborn and scared to to rotate their players. And what happens is they end up overloading some players. Some players get injured, and then they lose it anyway. So it's it's just it's it's uh, it's unnecessary. And and Pioli is is no different there. Um, it's it's just I, I I just think it's so unnecessary. The the whole thing was so unnecessary. You could have man managed. The, the the PSG game better, not for the result, but in terms of the, the 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 amount of workload you put on your key players, and and then you should have rotated smarter against Lecce. You didn't need to start Liao against Lecce away. Honestly, I don't think so. Um, and and then you would have had if you'd brought Pulisic off, then same thing there. And 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 Calabria is now injured as well. No, look, it's there, there's a problem. You know, the, the, he he's not. He, I don't think he's. My issue with him is not just the tactical things, but I don't. I don't feel he. I don't think he is managing the squad properly right now, in terms of 
getting everyone, you know, using the players in the right way to get the most out of them um, and to avoid injuries. I don't think we can blame this just on Milan Lab. I think this is on Pioli overplaying and 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 over uh, loading his key players. And I think, which brings me nicely to the final point, I think Olivier Giroud got sent off because he's mentally exhausted because that's not something you expect from a 37-year-old to do, getting getting two yellow cards in the space of a minute for dissent. But when you're mentally drained, when you're tired, you don't think clearly and you react from, you shoot from the hip. And I think that's what happened with, with Giroud. Now, I'm not, I'm not excusing Giroud. He, for goodness sakes, he's a World Cup winner. He's, you know, look at his, his career. He should absolutely be able to handle situations like this. But the reason why I think he mentally finds himself in this position is because of the fact that they're not, I, I I don't think Pioli's handling this very well from any angle, if I'm perfectly honest. No. Um, and look how far Mil- uh, Milan are now behind the... I mean, that's unacceptable. To be eight points off the top of the table by the middle of November is is six points off your bench I mean, as let's well. Let's be honest. I don't think it's... It's that's not, not acceptable. Insur- no, it's not, it's acceptable. not, but it's not insurmountable. It's not like, insurmountable, it's not like, but it's not acceptable. No, it's not good enough. There's no doubt about that. But it's not insurmountable. They're still in the title race. I think it would be silly to say that they're not in the title They're race. not far off from being out of the title race. Well, I mean, I mean you're right. eight points off. I mean, that goes to 11. It's all over. You Once, once you mm, get into double nah, numbers. I don't think it's over. I think it's it's too soon. I mean, once if, if you're 10 points off at the halfway point, then yeah, I'd say that's that's, you know... It requires a Herculean task to recover from that. But up until eight points, ah, you're still in it because every team is going to have dips. And the Inters usually come in February when they have their annual winter depression. And that's when all the big games are. So, I'm, I'm, you, know, you know, you have to wait for, for this until the end uh, to see where it goes. But I still think they're there. But I don't think eight points in the middle of November is acceptable by any stretch of the imagination. Absolutely. I think, no, and the form especially is- when you've invested in the squad to win these games and you're 2-0. I mean, they threw away that for, for me. Milan throws away that. They collapse. They completely fall through. Yeah. And they're, and they're two points. They've got two points from the last four games in, mm, in, in Serie A. Good and, and And also, just like I said, remember, Giroud's going to be suspended. How long will Giroud be suspended for now? I mean, um, if it's dissent, it's at least two games, I'd say. Yeah. Depends, if you insult depends the what, referee. Depends what he said and what's in the Well, report. that's what I'm saying. I mean, if but, the referee's so pissed off that he sent him off for insulting him, it depends on what he said. I, yeah. I expect at least two games. And then Liao's going to be... Liao's got a muscular injury, so he's going to mm. miss, you know... Um, few games you'd think um, maybe, as well. potentially um, and you know Juventus I mean Milan have got Fiorentina next then they've got Frosinone then they've got Atalanta away I mean they're not hard hard games but no. but but you know the way that but Milan play plays out that's yeah, it they've they, got two Champions League games yeah. in between there as well I mean <laughs> against very good opposition yeah. So no, it's 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 unnecessary. It's really. Yeah. I'm, really I'm just talking about the Scudetto race more. More, yeah. you know, yeah. they're missing if they're going to be missing Giroud and Liao yeah, for the next few enough. games. Then, well, they definitely will be out of the title race soon if mm. they don't. If they don't, you know, if they if they slip up in those as well. Um, yes. Okay. Right. Before we leave, we got to talk about the disallowed with Vio Reno because there's been a lot of talk about that as well, isn't it? Yeah. Lecce were furious and look. We have to keep two things in our heads here. The referee's job is to apply the laws of the game as they are, okay? That is a correct call. 
There's no doubt about that. Piccoli stomps on Tiao's foot just before he takes the ball and shoots it, right? So if you do that and the VR catches it and the referee missed it, because if the referee had seen it and said, no, I think that's that's a fair enough, that's a fair challenge, then it's not a clear and obvious error because that's his call, right? It's a mistake, but it's his call. But if he didn't see it, which I don't think he did, and then he goes and looks at it, he has to disallow the goal. He has no choice but to. Now, do I agree with that application of the law? I think it's it kind of ruins football a little bit um, because of the fact of the, how the game looked and, and all of that. And 20, 30 years ago, there's no way in hell that goal gets disallowed. But this is where we are. So you can't say that it's, it's not an outrage. It's not a scandal. It is the correct application of the law. The all game. the referees that have spoken after the game have all said it is the correct application of the law. So mm. I mean, when it's, it's I mean, when they're all unanimous saying it, yeah. I, I kind no, of, yeah, you know, but I, I do. But no, I've got nothing to add. I, I agree. I, I think it's you know some laws are stupid. Yeah, and, they and, are. Yeah. That's as simple as that. And I think, and, and you know my opinion. I, I feel like it's it's gone way too far in terms of any contact is is uh, is is a penalty uh, or is is a is a is a is a foul. Um, but this was a yeah. stomp. You see, the issue here is that it was a stomp on his foot. If he hadn't stamped on his foot, if it was like a, like people compare the Di Marco Lukman thing from Atalanta. Yeah, but Lukman challenged Di Marco for the ball, who was daddling. That's that's a call. There was no stomping on his foot. When you stamp on a player's foot like that, that is that has to be given. And if you miss it, you as a referee have made a mistake. And and that's that's where a lot of people miss the application it's not challenging for the ball would have been different if he hadn't stomped on his foot then there's nothing there's no case then that's just a challenge for the ball but then again Chiao would have been much more closer to him um and and he probably wouldn't have had the space to, to take that shot which was fantastic don't get me wrong it is a fantastic finish I think it's it's a brilliant finish and there are you know we have to, to ask questions of Mignon too um but but yeah to me that's a correct call I don't like it, but it's the, it's the application of the law as it is, and there's not much to talk about. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, right. Um, Italy, right, it's international break. Um, we'll talk about that on Thursday. We'll preview, preview Italy's Euro 2024 qualifiers against um, Macedonia and then against Ukraine. Um, absolutely crucial games uh, in which the the qualification for the Euros will be decided. Um, Italy need four points, uh, or, they, or they, they need either to beat Macedonia and draw with Ukraine, or or basically just beat Ukraine if they yeah. don't get a win in their in their game against Mac- yeah. Macedonia. Yeah. So it's absolutely yeah. right. But we'll talk about that in detail on. I just hope Kiese isn't injured for this international break. I, I think I, he's I, actually I, fit. Actually, yeah, good. No, yeah. enough of that. Like we Calabria, need Calabria, needs. Meret, and uh, Toloi have pulled out. And no. so far, <laughs> so far, <laughs> so far. Um, right. Um, the other weekend fixtures, quickly go through them. So we've got to wrap this up. Um, so Sassuolo 2, Salernitana 2, really good game. Genoa 1, Verona 0. Mm-hmm. Um, Monza 1, Torino 1. Colpani, who has got Colpani. his first Italy call up, he got he, sco- uh, he scored. Uh, and he didn't. He, he had he 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 had a cross with the outside of his boot <clears throat> of his foot, which was Quaresma gorgeous, mm. um, which of course Cagliardini squandered. Mm. But it, it was. But he, did he what, mean it? 
<laughs> oh, he meant it. Colpani meant it. It was this. What have Inter got? Oh, sorry, what have Monza got here? Hello, Mr. Freud. Yes, I want Inter to sign him. Um, but yeah, no. What have Italy got here? Colpani is hmm. Colpani Colombo together. The way they link up is a joy to watch. Monza right now, really for me, the must-watch team. Yeah, they I are. Really... They're, 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 they're getting up there with Frosinone and Bologna. And Bologna, who lost uh, lost 2-1 to Fiorentina, which was a really great game, yeah. really eventful game. And Bonaventura's got a fantastic goal. Yeah, what in, a season in this, he's having. In this game, yeah, really beautiful turn and, and shot. Let's hope that these bloody players can do it for Italy, Colpani mm. and, and, and Bonaventura. Let's, yeah. let's, let's pray that they can. Uh, and like Di Marco as well, we need them to do these great goals that these Italian players scored. Uh, it was a good weekend for Italians scoring uh, scoring goals. And then Udinese during one one with uh, Atalanta, gutting for Udinese who deserved to win this game. And their ninety second minute equalising yeah. by Edison. Um, who Edison's having a good season. Uh, he is. This season. Um, he's he's really him and Coop Miners are. They are. are uh, they're, they're making Atalanta's centre midfield um, one of the best in one of the they best centre midfielders. They really yeah. are centre midfielders. Really uh, and um, uh, but it was a good performance for Udinese, who've really picked up under under Trophy, and um, they're beating Milan. And then another performance against another big team in which they should have won. So you know you were talking there at the beginning, weren't you, about the relegation race? Mm. It's uh, it's quite hard to call. It's actually it's quite it's quite to difficult call. to call. We we thought it'd be more straightforward than it, absolutely than, than it has been. Um, but I'm surprised. I'm just worried about Salernitana because of the, it, I mean five points. They they are yet to win a game, um, mm. and that is that's you know they're five points off safety. Empoli, yeah. 10 points. So, it's no, it concerning. I mean, it's hard to call. I mean, Salernitana, there's Verona, a second from bottom. Cagliari are back in the relegation zone again now after that little run under, you know, so I think those three. And I mean, Sassuolo as well, who are on 12 points well, yeah, now. Well, yeah, drop in. Empoli are just about out the relegation zone. Even Lecce could be dragged back into it. I mean, Genoa too. You yeah. know, there's, 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 there's a lot of teams. Uh, Udinese, of course, with their, you know, their attack. Uh, you know, there's, there's, it's, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, even seven teams, maybe. So it's, it's a, yeah. Mm. Nimmer's going to have a lot of fun watching these. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's seven, seven team relegation battle. Are you kidding me? Seven ugly sisters. <laughs> 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 the seven ugly sisters, Snow White, Snow White, and the seven ugly sisters. <laughs> I love it. No, I love that. I'm, I'm Who had the ugly sisters? It wasn't Snow White. Cinderella. I'm yeah, getting, Cinderella, my, I'm getting yeah. my. uh yeah, you're getting your children. I'm getting uh, my fairy tales mixed up. Mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's uh, finish off with Bad Joe and Prem Face of the Week. Right, Bad Joe. Obviously, there's only one person yeah, it can be on. Federico Di Marco. I mean, this is a goal that will be. Uh, go down in history. It will be replayed for years and decades to come. Mm. Uh, it will. And it's, it was. I thought it was so beautiful his post as well on on social media on Instagram where he said basically said, look, I mean, he. You have to remember, like we did a profile on him uh, a few years, like a year ago. Um, you know, he's from Milan. He is an Interista through and through. Um, and and he put out a post saying basically this goal came from you know, all the places he's gone through to come to Inter and, and to be able to score and play at the San Siro. Mm. Uh, it was very, very beautiful for him to see, you know, that he's done that journey and, and the way that he, from Switzerland to, you know, from playing with the kids to playing, um, you know, playing in Swiss, Swiss League to coming back and then, you know, scoring against Inter for Parma and Screamer um, when, when, when Parma beat Inter. And, and then, of course... 
um, going to Verona and then coming to Inter and then becoming, you know, what he's become. So, no, it's, 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 uh, it's a beautiful story, and I think it's good for football to have these stories. I think it's good for Italian football to have these stories. I, you know my opinion. I think it's really important for all teams in Italy to have a bandiera or a, or a character who is from the city that the club is from. Mm. I can connect with the fans. I think that's incredibly important. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And that's one thing which Juventus Inter, there's a lot of Italians mm-hmm. for both the teams now. Uh, so that makes it a real derby d'Italia. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. For the first time in a long time, we have Italian stars in both of these teams mm. and, and, and they, they're important too. So no, mm. no, he is the bad of the week. That's a crazy, crazy, crazy. Crazy, goal. crazy goal, yeah. Uh, Prem face of the week, I have one. <laughs> I know what it is and it's... It's painful. Yeah, it was. It was really. I, it's one of those. I, I inter- was painful. Yeah, it's one of those interviews where it's really cringeworthy. Uh, I, I cringe really, it's so like bad. you cringe yourself, like yeah. watching it. It was talk sport as always, obviously. Of course. Uh, interviewing Evan Ferguson, the the Ireland uh, international striker at Brighton, who I think is a really, really big talent. I think he's got a really big career uh, ahead of him. And um, the I mean, he plays for Ireland, but. For some reason, uh, among prem faces, for like the last <laughs> year or two, like there's this obsession. Oh, he's going to play for England. He's going to play for England. <laughs> and and um, but I mean, he's played for Ireland. Like I don't know how many times he's played for Ireland now. Um, and I mean, he's ineligible to play for England <laughs> for starters. Um, but the the Talksport report goes well. And now we have the. I mean, the big question that everybody's asking is. You know, is there a still a chance? Can you still oh play for? God. Can you still play for England over Ireland? And he and- has played eight games and scored three times for Ireland. <laughs> like this is so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I know. He has played. Uh, did you see his answer? Did you see times. his? Res- did you see his response? No, I, I didn't get so far. I I, I died so much inside. I had to. <laughs> Well, they basically the, the guy goes to him. Uh, I mean, he says, "No, no, I, uh, you know, I play for Ireland." And 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 like this was cool. May I ask why? <laughs> like, oh my why? god! <laughs> and and Evan Ferguson's just kind of like smiling, like, "Well, you know, I'm I'm Irish." <laughs> <laughs> that would help. That would help. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. (laughs) There is that. There is that. He, I'm Irish. I'm Irish. You know, I'm Irish. (laughs) Pretty simple. So embarrassing. It was so cringeworthy. It really was. It really is one of the worst interviews I think I've seen in my life. It, It was just. I think. I think it speaks so much to his character that he did not just stand up and walk. (laughs) Yeah. Because he was so he's born in Ireland. Like it's it's like he's Irish. What are we why are we even talking about? Mm -hmm. And he's only eligible as well. I mean that's And his father is Irish footballer Barry Ferguson. I mean it's again, he is Irish. Okay, his mother is English, fair enough. And he grew up, I get, you know, supporting Man United, but people support well, most most Irish people do support Man United or yeah. Liverpool. I mean, yeah. have you ever met an Irish person who doesn't support support <laughs> Man United or Liverpool? <laughs> doesn't exist. <laughs> um, right. Okay. Let's leave it at that. Um, let's leave it at that. We'll be back on right. So Tuesday for the Q and A. Then we have Wednesdays. The, yeah, the interview. We have an interview with Sunday Lovich. Lovich. We'll probably push out on Wednesday uh, yeah. and and then uh, Thursday. Um, We'll have, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll preview the Italy Euros yeah. uh, and also talk about Garcia and stuff. So, uh, you know, Garcia's replacement at Napoli and, 
and a few other little bits and pieces that I'm sure will come mm. up. So lots to talk about. Lots for you this week. Uh, have a good week and we'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao.